How's it going? Welcome to the Live Thrivingly podcast show. Today's guest is a friend of mine I've grown up with since junior high. We both received our bachelor's degrees from the Walton School of Business at the University of Arkansas, but we've never really had the chance to sit down and talk in depth about his outlook on life and his life's journey. He is an American Council on Exercise certified personal trainer, but his unique approach extends far beyond the basics of personal training. A little over a year ago, he left behind a sales job and lifestyle that was completely destructive and required him to put his own health on the back burner. This decision became the spark that lit an internal fire in his body, mind, and spirit that has become his driving force towards making a greater impact in the world. A phrase he lives and trains by is the pursuit of an elevated lifestyle. And while this may have many different meanings for everyone, the focus is on healing the mind, body, and spirit through an engagement with the earth as a natural healing process. He is intellectually curious and in his spare time enjoys expanding his knowledge about the human body and bio-optimization. It is my great pleasure to introduce you to my friend, Ben Robinson. Welcome to the show, my man. Yeah, Jack, thanks for having me on, man. Uh, super excited when you reached out, uh, was happy to talk and because I know you've been doing a lot of great things as well. So I think we got a lot to talk about. This is going to be a, a fun one here. Yeah, awesome, man. Let's, let's jump into it. So uh, I know we touched on it in the intro, but I would love to hear a little bit more about your backstory and formative experiences that really led you down the path that you walk today. Yeah, man. Um, it started back in my youth, um, you know, growing up in Arlington, you know, a lot of sports, you know, everyone was very active. I know you played, we played in like the same peewee football league. Um, and so just as a kid, I was always very active in sports, sports and just athletics revolved. Um, my life revolved around that. So was always super into that. Um, and as I started getting a little bit older, probably like 12, 13, 14, just like my health wasn't very good. I started putting on a lot of weight. Um, and you know, as a kid, like no one talks to you about nutrition. You're just, you know, I know I was eating fast food and, you know, drinking Dr. Peppers and Sprites and, you know, yeah. all that stuff that we did as kids. Cause you're, you're just a kid. And, um, if your parents aren't super into it themselves, then you're not going to know, uh, what the right decision is. So I was just kind of following suit. And once I got to high school, um, I was just extremely uncomfortable with my body and, and who I felt as a person. And, you know, going to high school, you're trying to make friends and, you know, you want to be the guy. And so a lot of the, the self-identity comes into play. Um, and I just, I felt extremely uncomfortable. I was hiding my body. Um, and I was a big dude, you know, I was tall. Everyone called me big Ben, you know, yeah. played football. I was active, but I just, I was a fat kid. Um, and I felt it and I know other people could see it as well because I'd had some conversations with some friends at that point too. Um, so once, you know, got to high school, joined the baseball team um, and ended up just having a lot of issues. Um, There's some bullying involved and some harassment and stuff, but it was all revolved around my body and, you know, me being afraid and not, you know, being able to commit to some of the practices and stuff. And, in hindsight, it's, it's crazy to think that like, that's who the person I was. Um, but just after that, it was, it was definitely a defining moment. You know, I felt so uncomfortable with who I was to the point where I, I gave up a sport that, 
you know, as a kid, I was, I'm going to play in the MLB, you know, I'm going to play professional baseball. That was my thing. And um, I gave that up because of, you know, the toxic culture, but almost brought upon myself because of just the, the physical condition that I was in. And um, so once that happened last two years, you know, just kind of played golf and was a, a normal high school kid, didn't really work out that much. And um, my senior year, I'll never forget because this is where it all started. Um, my friend Cody Bullard at the time, who was also a, I'm sure you know who he is. He went to Martin as well. And um, he worked out at the original Metroflex gym in Arlington, which is for those of you who aren't in the fitness community or bodybuilding community, it is the Mecca of bodybuilding. Ronnie Coleman, eight time Mr. Olympia, Branch Warren, you know, everyone that's in fitness knows about um, the original Metroflex. And so thankfully enough, that gym is located in Arlington, right off of Cooper street. And um, he invited me for a workout my senior year. We didn't really know each other that well, um, but we were in the same friend group and he invited me to a workout and I walk in, it's, you know, Texas summer, you know, how, hot, how hot those get. And it's this big garage and it's dirty, you know, there's plates all over the floor. It's grimy. They're playing loud music. You know, it's just, it's something like you've never seen before. And I fell in love. You know, I remember that workout kicked my ass. I think I was sore for about two weeks. Um, but I just fell in love with it instantly. And from that summer on, I was completely obsessed. Um, in some ways in an unhealthy approach, but I think that's kind of what it took to now find a correct balance, um, which I'm very grateful for because, you know, if I wasn't all in at that time, then who knows how long it would have taken me to get out of the, that divot that I was in. But since that moment, um, you know, health has just always been on my mind and working out has always been on my mind. It's all I think about. Um, as soon as I finish the one today, you know, I'm already excited for the one tomorrow. And I think you kind of have to fall in love with the process if it's, if health and wellness is something that you're going to commit to fully, um, it can't be something that, you know, you're only going to do Monday through Friday and then on the weekends go get, you know, fucked up, you know, pardon my language, but you know, that's what a lot of people do. You hear the bro split, you hear how that approaches. Um, and I'm just completely on the different side. It's something that I'm building a lifelong career in. And, you know, one of the reasons that we're talking today is because I'm trying to expand my knowledge and just talk to as many people as possible about, their approach, because that's the crazy thing. Everyone's body is different. And, you know, everyone has different feelings, everyone does different things. And so what may work for one person may not work for the next, but there's something in the middle that we can talk about and see how we can, you know, mutually uh, find something from that. So yeah, that's where I'm at today. Um, yeah, that's, I know a long kind of explanation. Um, but yeah, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I own my own personal training company, Robinson Training Co. And um, I'm looking to dominate the, the fitness industry and just keep learning and keep growing. And, you know, at the same time, continue to prioritize my own well-being. Yeah, thanks, Ben, for kind of diving into that. I love it. And uh, that's what I'm looking for, you know, just kind of diving into these conversations and really hearing some of the backstories and stuff. Sometimes it's nitty and gritty, but I mean, that's the good stuff. It's all, it's all things we we've gone through, you know, and, and struggle with. I know in kind of the intro you sent me, um, you mentioned just some of that internal battle uh, with demons within you and your fight 
and like your, your willingness to fight and dominate those, um, you know, is there anything in particular you're open to sharing about this or do you have any words of wisdom for those that may be in the same position as you? Or what yeah. Um, I think it definitely just depends on a person to person basis. Um, I think, Oh, I think my roommate just walked in. What's up, Will? Um, but I think it definitely depends on like a person to person basis and Jackson, can you still hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're fine. Um, so I think it just depends on the person and what they're going through and what stage of their life, because I think a lot of it is partially just experiences. Um, you know, high school is a major experience. It's a life-changing event. And so someone that's, you know, maybe in junior high dealing with some issues may not have the same remedy as someone that's in high school and has a little bit more freedom, but also, you know, a little bit more time under their belt. Um, but more specifically, you know, I think what's unfortunate about people pursuing health nowadays is that it's looked down upon as, you know, you're the guy that's going to the gym all the time. You're the guy doing X, Y, Z, you're skipping, hanging out with your friends. And so you do have to make a lot of sacrifices. And that's probably the most difficult part, I would say, because, you know, you need a social support group when you're going through these things. And when you go through it alone, it's a lot more difficult than, you know, maybe when you get to the end, you know, you can celebrate with some people that you met along the journey. Um, but for most, it's just like, you just got to look in the mirror and decide, you know, what's worth it. Um, if you feel so bad all the time, you know, why would you continue to put yourself in that same position? You know, it's, if you start to think logically about it and think out loud, it's like, what have I been doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and how you've been living and, and kind of that, like that group you're hanging out with. And I know, like you said, kind of sometimes on this path, like you may feel kind of isolated and alone and like you're missing some of that social connection because you're making these sacrifices. But like you said, kind of finding that community and that group of people, I think is really powerful along the way. And that will help you and continue to fill you with more and more energy to pursue this path because of the like-minded individuals around you. Yeah. And that's what's so the, the gym and the fitness community is unlike any other, because when you, and I've, I've talked to this, every one of my clients I talk to about this because most of them come in and they're intimidated. Um, they don't know how to work out, you know, learning the process is one of the most challenging. You got to learn the motor skills. Um, so every time we walk in, we stand at like the back of the treadmill and you can just view the entire gym. And I just kind of point out to a bunch of different people, you know, who they are, what they do, what they've come from. And it really provides a perspective that at the end of the day, you know, you may not have anything in common on like a, a job basis or where you're from or what you look like, but everyone's in here for the same reason. And that's to improve their health and body. Um, so I think that's, what's so unique is because what I've learned, I've got a lot of unique people that I never expected that I would meet in my life. And they're just trying to feel better and they're trying to look better and they're trying to live better and live longer. And so being along for that process, um, is very rewarding because they come to you at probably their lowest point in their life. They're paying someone to help them with their health. They're not going to a doctor, you know, they're not going to get LASIK or, or not LASIK, bariatric surgery, you know, they're coming to work out and they're coming to learn how to be healthy. And so there's definitely um, a lot of responsibility involved in that. And it's something that I don't take lightly. And, you know, you have to be intense. If you're not intense with the process, then, you know, it's just going to take you an extra 20 years and 20 years later, it's going to be 10 times harder. 
And, you know, so it's, it's now or never. That's what I kind of like to approach it as. Yeah. Love that. And that kind of leads us into the next question that I had down here with, you know, what, what are some common beliefs and or pitfalls you see people kind of struggling with regarding fitness, health, and wellness? It's a good question. Um, first off, I'd say social media has been a great thing for the fitness industry, but it also results in a lot of people that don't know what they're talking about having a platform um, and just spreading their message without any you know, data to back it up or just any experience to back it up. So I'd say right off the bat, um, most people in the United States specifically and globally, because, you know, I think we're up to 67% um, obesity rate globally, which is, you know, horrific in itself. Um, most people are under eating. That is the number one thing. Um, and so when someone comes to me and their, their first thing is, Hey, I want to lose weight. You know, I want to lose weight. Okay. I'll, I'll chop your arm off right here. You're going to walk out 15 pounds lighter. Yeah. No. What do we actually want to do here? And so we actually talk about, you know, their, their routine, how much they've been eating when they've been eating, do they drink any water? Like most people don't drink very much water. Um, and so, after having those conversations, we kind of look at their daily caloric intake and it's 1300 calories. You know, I'm sure you know this too. Like a lot of those college girls and high school girls seriously under eat. They're like, Oh, I'm going to have my coffee in the morning. And then I'm not going to eat till five o'clock and have a couple berries and then a couple white claws and some other stuff. And then some drunk pizza, Yeah, you know, that's just emptiness. There's nothing there that is fueling your body. And so after having those conversations, just implementing, you know, good routines. When do you eat? What do you eat? Where do you go when you get to the grocery store? You know, all the processed foods are in the middle. Stay on the aisles or stay in the, the corners where it's refrigerated. You know, it's real food. Um, so just basic stuff like that, um, because you can't overcomplicate the process because it, there's a lot of information out there. And we're not going to talk about, you know, triglycerides or any of this stuff, you know, we're keeping it pretty simple um, and just making those small changes. And they, they notice it instantly. You know, when you come to the gym after eating some fruit, instead of, you know, pancakes, bacon, and, you know, a bunch of syrup and stuff thrown on top, you're going to feel a lot different. And I think everyone can agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I see that in playing out in social media, definitely. And kind of like you're saying the there's, you know, it's a great platform for the people that are really spreading the right information, but it can also be hazardous because there's people on there that, you know, maybe spreading some stuff that is not the truth. And it's, it, you know, if you potentially end up going down that road, like it might end up damaging your body, your mind, et cetera. So definitely, you know, taking those precautions, but I think it becomes on your individual journey, like a big deal to kind of learn to disseminate like truth out of like what you're seeing online and what you're like going through. Cause when you go down this journey, like you may just begin to open up all these doors and these rabbit holes and to be able to kind of like get really simple with it, like you said, and just keep it simple and just know, like, you know, this is going to be good for me. This is going to be bad. And like, you know, you may have to really come to terms with a lot of the core beliefs that you have, or just kind of some of those societal beliefs that we grow up with that we kind of have to undo in order to really start living a life uh, like aligned with more like health. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's, 
a lot of it is just kind of trial by error. Um, you know, I've done a ton of different diets. I've done a ton of different exercises and I've approached things completely differently thinking that, you know, I've been doing it wrong the entire time. Um, and when you kind of break it down, it ends up being just like the basics work. You know, you don't have to, you know, wander too far off the path to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Um, but when we have all this extra stimulation um, through technology, just through a lot of different reasons, um, our mind tends to get cluttered and then we start to wander off and then you get a little bit further lost, you know, day by day. And, you know, you fall out of that pattern or that routine that was bringing you enjoyment and bringing you, you know, positive results. Um, and it's hard to get out of that. It really is. And so props to anyone that has done that. Um, I know it's very challenging and there's a lot of people that are still kind of stuck in the matrix, you know, just doing the same things, not really understanding um, how detrimental it is in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's look into, you mentioned, uh, nutrition and diet. Also, I have a couple questions on those. So, uh, you know, I think I want to dive into this question next is like, uh, you know, I believe there are a lot of like misconceptions about the word diet and really what diet is. You know, if you look at like the Greek meaning of diet and the word diatia, you know, meaning way of life and to lead one's life, but rather, you know, it seems like more the diet, these, like when people hear the term diet is like a regimented food schedule, a certain way of eating that, you know, I, so what, what, what are your thoughts and perspective on, on the term diet? Yeah, no, that's a, I've said the same thing many times myself. Um, yeah, diet, diet is looked at nowadays as like a temporary temporary change. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start this diet, you know, this, I'm going to do this for six weeks, 10 weeks, a year, whatever it is. It's always thought of in the short term. It's something that's temporary. So I completely agree. A diet diet should not be short term. It's a lifestyle. It's long-term. This is something that I'm going to do on the daily. It, it, it is a regimen um, because I think that's probably a synonym for lifestyle, you know, something that you do being consistent. So I think, I don't know where, you know, social media, if that came into, I know there's been a lot of popular diets and, you know, health fads over the years from Jenny Craig and, you know, all this, all this other stuff, um, which have been successful and I'm sure they have results, but it's not long-term. And so I think the word diet is probably something that we could get away from, but I do know whenever, you know, someone does come to me and I'm trying to go on a diet, you know, I'm pretty quick to correct them that, this is a, a lifestyle change. You know, we're not doing this. I don't want you coming in here just for three months. And then after that, you know, you go back to what you're doing, you know, we're going to implement these things for the rest of your life. Yeah. I like that perspective. And, you know, I think too, like the way that I think about it is a diet is not always just what the, the food you're consuming either. I think it's more about like what you're consuming, like physically, mentally, intellectually, you know, it's like, for example, like, you know, someone who's feeding his intellectual diet might just be reading books. Like, you know, there's, there's so many aspects of, of being a human being that there's different layers and diets we need to feed. So, you know, from, from a physical end, there's certain foods that we get nutrients from and stuff. And then there's like books and it's, you know, emotional diet, like who, who are you surrounding yourself with? What's, what's the input in, you know, it's all about like, the getting the good fuel in to get the good output. And, you know, I think that 
that is a, a way of looking at this that I think could help people like live more holistically. No, I, I agree. I've never uh, thought of it that way or heard of it, you know, talked about that way. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. The, whatever you're filling your body with in all, in all aspects, you know, think of just all your senses, what you hear, what you view, what you touch, um, those all impact your life. And so just being constantly aware of those things, but you know, you don't have to start all five at the same time, you know, fix one, feel a little bit better, fix the next one. And then, you know, as you go on and on that, you know, bio-optimization pretty much, um, you know, you found 25 things in your life that were either bringing you toxicity physically or, you know, emotionally, or maybe you're watching some stuff that, you know, maybe spiritually, you know, isn't too healing. So once you kind of start peeling back the layers, like you were talking about, you'll find a ton of different things that you can just, you know, improve on. And they're really not that drastic. So, you know, I know you're super big on probably red light therapy and, you know, blue light glasses and EMFs and, you know, turning off your phone at night and just kind of separating yourself from society when you can. Um, and I think those are, you know, really small fixes that everyone can make in their life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love what you say, just kind of like keeping it simple and taking it one step at a time, because there is a lot there, you know, and I think kind of in the beginning, myself included, like, it got a little overwhelming at times trying to fix like so many things at once, but really just taking those small steps and looking at those little parts of your life that it's like, you know, I could remove this and uh, this toxic part of my life and then, you know, see what comes from that. And then you can move on to the next one. But yeah, you're right. When you talk about red light therapy and blue light and EMFs and those type of things, and really just like, you know, getting back to nature and doing things like grounding and stuff. It's like, I think a big part of like holistic health and overall just like lifestyle and fitness is like not only adding in new, like the new diet, the new regimens, like the strength training and, or the yoga and meditation, but also like taking out the old and really healing yourself so that the new regimens can really take hold and you, you can see more benefits from those. Yeah, no, it's, I've had this conversation with, it's kind of like one of those questions you ask people if, you know, you don't have much to talk about and you want to kind of spark an interesting conversation. Um, but the grounding is something that I've picked up over the last two years. And uh, I'll just ask people randomly, you know, I live in Nashville, there's not too much grass around, you know, it's a big city with a lot of concrete and buildings. And um, I'll just ask people like, when's the last time your feet just like touch grass? And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, I'll ask it again. You know, when's the last time your feet touch grass? You know, like as a kid, you know, walking through the grass and they really have to think about it. And it's, you know, they don't have, they can't tell me an answer. They don't even know. And so that's just something like right off the bat, when I went on a walk on a Sunday, actually, as soon as I got to that grassy area, took my shoes off, was running up the hills with, you know, just my bare feet and it just feels great. You know, you're connected to, you know, nature, you're connected to earth. And that's just something that right off the bat, you know, as well, I'm doing that, you know, the sun's beaming on my head too. So it's, you know, killing two birds with one stone right there. And um, I think those are just things that everyone should resort back to because once you actually do it and you understand kind of the approach and why you should be doing it, um, I think everyone should fall into that routine. Yeah, absolutely. And, and around earthing and gra grounding in particular, if, if someone in the audience is new to this term or like this kind of 
the um the whole idea of using this as part of your routine you know there's a really great documentary i've seen on youtube called the earthing movie that really dives into a lot of it and has a lot of scientific background as well there's some good books by uh, dr clint clint ober and he really dives into that um it, it is a really awesome practice and really when i got into it i was like it's it takes you back to your childhood really and you think about like all the times you were running around as a kid barefoot on grass you know and i guess maybe some people didn't grow up that way but i definitely did in my yard like in nature like and there's something very healing about it not only like mentally emotionally but spiritually as well it, a reconnection back to like mother earth and like every all the power that she has you know there's things in this book about uh native american tribes and stuff like finding ill like white people and like burying them in the soil next to like a fire and they heal things like scarlet fever or like maybe there's a mental disturbance like psychosis or something and they're able to draw this out using like grounding and earthing therapies and i mean that it sounds a little crazy but if you really look into the science of it it's it's there and it's something that has been heated for thousands of years by indigenous tribes and we've kind of disconnected to that with the luxuries of modern society and the technology technological advances and stuff like that so yeah no i i agree you hit that right on the head um yeah it's something that just you know if you really think about it i remember we went to um i was in cape cod massachusetts and i was in san diego recently and just like being so close to like the water like being able to walk in the sand like those things that you know living you know uh I guess I'm landlocked, you know, in Nashville here in Tennessee, but, um, you know, those, those luxuries, we don't have necessarily the opportunity to interact with on a daily basis. You know, when you're out there, enjoy it as much as you can. Um, there's a reason people go to the beach. There's a reason people go to the lake. There's a reason people go hiking and go camping in the woods, in the forest. Like there is something to that. Um, and I think everyone has had at least, you know, maybe not everyone, but most people have had some of those experiences. And if you start to think about it a little bit more, it's like, damn, I did. That was a really good time. I did feel really great. Um, it's almost like a reset. And so I think it's something that's really important. Yeah. And, and to make time and space to maybe reconnect with that, if you've, if you've lost that and see what that might, what that might bring you. But additionally too, um, kind of with the whole feet thing, I'm really big on just walking around with, I've got these big Crocs on uh, that I wear pretty much all the time because it allows my, my feet to spread and my toes to spread. And I've had some foot issues recently just from wearing Nikes my entire life that, you know, our feet are meant to like grasp the grass and grasp the floor that we're, we're standing on. So when you look at your shoes that you're wearing and you see how curved it's making your toes and then you take your shoes off. I mean, I've seen so many people and, my parents too. And I'm sure most people can agree. Like you see their toes and like, they've been wearing heels all their life and wearing these shoes. And they're like, why do your feet look like that? They're all smushed together. Um, and so that is something too, that, you know, just being conscious of and picking the right shoes, you're walking on them all the time, you know, don't just buy the nice Jordans cause they look cool, you know, buy something that's going to support you because if you have bad feet, you know, you're going to get bad ankles and you get bad knees and then your hips are going to mess up and then your back. And so it's all, it's all connected. Um, so just, that's something too. just, if you're dealing with some foot issues and you think it's related to the shoe that you're wearing, 
you know, there's a great store called Feet Fleet. I know there's a ton of other places. I'm not sponsored by Feet Fleet, by the way. <laughs> but uh, there's tons of places that can like scan your foot and talk to a professional um, because that is something that people need to be more aware of. Because if you, you know, walk 40 years and you finally start to, you know, be conscious of it, it's going to be too late. Yeah, man, that's that's really an interesting uh, topic. Like, thanks for sharing that, because I think that it, it really is something that we really forget about, like our feet, like they're down there and they're, they're really what carry us through this life. But yet, like are probably one of the most overlooked aspects of like health and like fitness and stuff. You know, it's like we, we do all these things, but we don't ever like really care for our feet. You know, when's the last time you might have had like a a, a massage or like, you know, even just mas massaged your own feet, like sitting there. I know that my sister got into a routine for a couple months of like doing that every night. And like, there's a lot of, um, you know, science backing the reflexology of the feet and how all the different parts of the bottom of your foot are related to all the bodily processes and organs. Um, a lot of that rooted in traditional Chinese medicine. So yeah, there is a lot of power in the feet. And I think it's also good to to think about like just that shoes in general and like heels, like you're saying, and all these like shoes and socks are really kind of like a modern advancement only within the past couple hundred years. And that like our ancestors, like they were, they were wearing like leather soled shoes and they were like barefoot a lot of times and like connected or they made moccasins. Like there's, there's nothing wrong with using shoes as the luxury they are in, in this day and age. And I think they, really help us with a lot of things like you know you need a you can't go you can't go build a building barefoot like you, know, <laughs> you need boots like and you can't like yeah. I mean I know there's guys in the barefoot running marathons but like you know in general if you're going to run a marathon you're probably going to want a good shoe and like the right sole and like you're going to want to invest in that because it's going to help you recover it's going to help you be better during the event and things like that so but yeah interesting topic for sure yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I wonder, uh, I've got a little like lacrosse ball. If you don't want to massage your own feet, if you're grossed out by feet, I know there's some people out there that, uh, that have that. Um, but you can just get like a hard ball, like a baseball or a golf ball and just stand on it and rub your foot and find those spots that are tender and just keep digging into them. And there's toe spacers nowadays, you know, you can order those online. And if you're just sitting at home, it's like these little, almost like what, when people get a pedicure done. Um, I've never gotten a pedicure, but, uh, it's like these toe spacers that spread your toes, you know, train them to, to move and, you know, not just be stuck in the same spot. So yeah, I agree. I think the feet are important, man. Um, you got to take care of them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, here at live thrivingly, you know, really the core message I'm trying to spread is around holistic health rather than the outdated term of health and wellness. Um, what is your view on holistic health and uh, how does one live a holistically healthy lifestyle? Hmm. That's a loaded question. Um, I think kind of going back to just health in general, it, it depends on the person because there's so many different routes that you can take from having a holistic birth to, you know, avoiding pharmacology and going to a holistic doctor and, and having some conversations in depth about, you know, some potential remedies for whatever you're going through. So I think it just depends, but I would say if I had to, to define it in like today's day and age, it's kind of just like removing yourself from 
what we've created and finding a remedy through, I guess, earth or a natural healing process. So, you know, not being dependent on something that we've created in a lab to heal your body, but rather just using, you know, what's available, food, exercise, you know, those basic things that are the core values of health. Um, and even, you know, what we stimulate ourselves with, what do we look at our phones, you know, things like that, I, I think could probably fall into the box of holistic health, but probably more so just removing yourself from some of the things that we've created and resorting back to a natural healing process. Yeah, I like that you are really focused on that, that natural and that earth aspect, because you know, that's what we, that's, we've really come from the earth. And if we can kind of go back to that way of living, like things over time begin to really like almost heal themselves at times. Like we may try to force a change in our own bodies or our minds that sometimes all it takes is removing some things that are, that are blocking us from that level of health that we can find really through that natural approach, you know, uh, like when I talk about holistic health also, I just kind of, I, I see it as like multifaceted and it, it's, it's accounting for, you know, like your, your social cultural health, like, you know, your friend group, like also like your, your career and like what's going on in your life there and like your financial life and like your love life. And, uh, you know, if you're a parent, like how, how are you, you know, how are you raising your kids and all these things, like all these different parts that, you know, at times I feel like we may like really pay a lot of attention to our physical health and wellness and then like our financial health. But then some of these other areas of our life, these pillars are maybe struggling and we could take some energy uh, and time away from other areas and, and move in making sure we can find more balance across these pillars of our life so that we live in more balance and we really create that lifestyle we wish to live, you know, and like going back to kind of your, your mantra there with a uh, pursuit of an elevated lifestyle, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Nothing, not everything's going to be perfect. You know, there's always going to be something that is going to come up and it's going to require your attention and you may have to um, sacrifice some things, but I do believe that prioritizing your overall physical body first exercising getting in that routine will alleviate a lot of the problems that most people think are super looming um, and are going to be destructive on their own lives but if you can improve your body and you start to feel better physically and that improves your mind and you know you release all these endorphins and and your brain starts working a little bit better you know your cognitive performance and you start to see how by filling that one bucket first you can just almost dump it as you go into these other aspects of your life. Um, and I think that definitely falls into play with your social circle. Um, if you start to prioritize your own health and you have people that are supposedly your friends that will try to take you away from that or look down on you because you are making that decision, then those aren't people you need to be spending time with in the first place. So you're removing that additional you know, social toxicity from your life. And then you find some people in, in the health industry or at the gym that you're also on the same journey with. And then you start talking to them and you're surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded and all share the same pursuit of an elevated lifestyle. That's why they're in there. Um, so that's, yeah, something that I thought about before I'd even started my company. Um, and it's just, it's, it didn't apply as much back then 
because, you know, there weren't people that I was necessarily working with at that time. But now after having, you know, some experiences and, and really just being in the industry and helping these folks, um, it, it's something that I truly believe. Yeah. I love that perspective. Um, you know, I, I also, I love your daily doses of wisdom on LinkedIn that I, that I come across when I'm <laughs> through there, you know, uh, one that stood out to me recently was your post about like, uh, when we kind of get to feeling off or like out of routine from travels and events, you know, kind of some in inevitable life circumstances and situations and the tempting indulgences that we may partake in when we're in those. And then, you know, you, you kind of mentioned a protocol for identifying uh, what is off and how you could get back on track. You know, do you mind uh, shedding some light on like this unavoidable reality we find ourselves in at time and maybe provide some tools of navigation? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm going to pull up the post myself because I don't want to, I don't want to misquote um, by any region here, but you know, I got to stay uh, updated on LinkedIn. You know how it is. Yeah. And, and go give Ben Robinson a follow on LinkedIn. He is, he is active on that and has some really great little wisdom bits, super digestible and easy, just uh, nice to come across sometimes, especially when the majority of your LinkedIn feed may just be like business related stuff all the time. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Job applications and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so something more so recently, I've had a lot of travel, um, just been going to places, had some life stuff pop up. Um, you know, everyone deals with that kind of thing. So I know everyone has that post travel kind of blues, whether like you were saying, you've indulged, you've indulged in some of those temptations, you know, you don't have a gym available. You can't cook your meals. You know, there's a lot of sacrifices that are made on going on these vacations. But before you even get there, you should not look at that vacation or look at that time off as a negative thing. You need to enjoy it first, because if you're just going to be hating yourself while you're at the beach, because, you know, there's not steak and eggs right next to you, you know, we need to take a step back and actually understand why we're here you know, you're, you've been working out, you've been living healthy. So you're able to enjoy these things and not have a total collapse. Um, but so to get into kind of my protocol, the first question is just how have I been fueling my body? You know, what is my over under consumption of, you know, my food. And so right off the bat, just look back at the schedule. Okay. Well, I didn't eat this. I didn't eat that. You know, I had to, eat a burger, which I don't typically do. Um, so it's, it's not that bad. Um, but I do always focus on like higher protein. You know, I don't want to eat fried food if I'm out. Um, so there's some small changes that you can still implement while you're on travel or while you've got these things going on in your life. Um, but number two is just how much water have I been drinking? You know, I'm sure people go on vacation and they drink some alcohol, you know, go enjoy your life, go do those things. But you also have to kind of find that ratio for how much water you're going to be consuming at the same time. So those dehydration, headaches, dehydration, body aches, you're not feeling yourself, go pound some water, like get back in that routine, fuel, fuel your body. If you start peeing a lot, that's good. You know, flush out all that stuff. Um, number three has been, have I been exercising and moving? So typically on vacation, I like to go somewhere where I know I'm going to be active you know, I don't want to just go to the bar in that vacation spot. There's a bar here in Nashville. I've got plenty of options there. So actually having an intention, um, going out, walking around the neighborhood, going to sightsee, going to the, the beach, 
the hiking trails in the mountains, you know, whatever it is, you can find something available and be active. And if you can't, I'm sure you've got room in your house where you can do some small stuff like some push-ups, sit-ups, stretch, you know, just move your body, gain that access to movement. You know, excuse me, we need to get rid of stiffness. You know, you're sitting in a plane, you're sitting in a car, alleviate that, allow your body to move freely. Um, number four has been sleep. And I do not do a good job with my sleep. Um, and that is something that I need to change. But it's also a sacrifice that I'm having to make right now because I'm trying to work. I'm trying to build my business up. And so if I could get eight hours every night, I wish. Um, but sometimes that's something that I have to give up. And so after vacation, you're drinking, you're not getting REM sleep, you know, you're sleeping in a, an environment that you're not comfortable with your brain, half of your brain is going to stay awake naturally. So just getting back into a nice sleeping routine, turn the cold air down 68, 67, you know, just snuggle up in your pillow and, you know, turn off all the phones, turn off all the lights and just calm yourself and, and just fall asleep. So getting back on that nice routine will always assist. Um, and there's a lot of people that believe in the fitness industry that sleep is the biggest um, natural performance enhancer. So sleep will kill people if you don't get enough of it. And uh, it will drastically benefit your life or, or screw your life up, depending on how you approach it. And then the last one is just what am I giving my energy to? Um, and I think that one probably would more apply to the social setting when people are traveling, whether you're going to see family, go visit friends back in your college town, you know, going to visit your girlfriend's parents, you know, you, stress is involved. So just understanding who I've been talking to, how much of my inputs versus outputs, you know, how much have you had to give? And so just being conscious of that, because, you know, you do have to take a reset. Sometimes everyone knows when you're just don't want to talk to someone and being okay with that and being able to communicate that to whoever you're around and understanding why it's important to get back in that routine and just kind of disconnect and, and be with yourself for as much time as you can. Um, those are just five simple things that are not super difficult. It's just kind of, you know, delegate 30 minutes, you know, post-travel or pre-travel, however you want to do it. And just kind of think about those things and, and disconnect for a little bit and, and be conscious of how you've been treating yourself. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the bigger issues as to why we've got so many health problems in the United States and globally is just people don't even think about themselves. You know, how do you, how do you eat that all day and not think, damn, I feel like shit. And like, then go back to it. And I don't blame anyone because I know there's a lot of addicting chemicals and all that stuff. And, you know, people are, you know, no one has your back, you know, everyone's stacked against you. So you do have to fight hard to get out of that. But once you kind of break through and you realize how much it's changed your life, you'll realize you'll never want to go back. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, a lot of wisdom in that. And it's just, I love how just simplistic it is. And like, I just, I feel like we can, we all find ourselves in that same scenario time and time again. So when I came across that, that post, I was like, this is super applicable and really be very helpful for a lot of individuals if applied. And, and I like what you say, kind of, kind of back to that whole self-care aspect as well. I mean, we are really like, I mean, there's so many of us out there that we really prioritize others before ourselves, And I think that you know, when I first really kind of started getting into self-care, it was kind of like that idea that like I'm being selfish to others because I'm taking some time away to just like really focus on myself and making sure 
like I feel in balance and like I can relax. And, and when I did that though, I struggled a little bit with like, well, you know, what are others going to think about me? And am, am I being, you know, rude to those that, that love me by taking this time to carve away. But really, you know, I think it comes to a point with yourself where you have to be able to sit in that space and be, and be your own best friend and really allow yourself to relax and realize that the world's going to keep moving around you, your friends, your loved ones, your business, but like you can create that space and time to like really get back into balance if you need to. Yeah, no, totally. And it's unfortunate that it's looked at selfishly for being selfish for yourself. You know, it's kind of a, an interesting approach, but I think too, just the benefits of just being in thought and trying to figure out who you are and not worrying so much about what other people think, um, easier said than done, because at the end of the day, we're human beings. And of course we care about what others think about us, but it's just not letting it affect your life because you're always going to get positive and negative. A lot of people that you probably think are the best humans in the world. There's someone out there that has something bad to say about them, but you know, how much of that input are you going to allow? Um, it should be, zilch nada you know you got to allow those things to just go on because then they're just messing up their own lives they're just sitting at home these keyboard warriors whoever they are um they just walk around angry all the time and that's not my problem brother that's yours and so i'm gonna keep doing my thing um and so it's hard to do that because we're so connected nowadays through our cell phones through roommates you know we've got a lot of people around us at all times. And so regardless of what other people think, if you're at that point and you're having those thoughts, it's probably time for you to actually make time for yourself. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So kind of changing gears here. Um, I know that you are a big proponent for, you know, having a stable morning routine and setting the tone for the day. Uh, you know, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about like what your morning routine looks like. Yeah, it, um, it kind of changes depending on when I have to be up for work. Um, and when I get home the night before, but biggest thing, wake up, I've got my phone on, um, I got the red light on my phone. I don't have any other lights in my room. Um, I just moved into a new place. So I don't have blackout curtains yet, but it will be pitch black in there. Um, but first thing is I grab my Yeti that's been sitting on my, uh, my bed stand. I chug a bunch of water and I walk outside for a little bit. I just kind of get my body moving. And sometimes it's tough because you really want to snooze that alarm and you want to get that extra five minutes. You want to get that extra 10 minutes. Um, but after falling into that routine and understanding how important it is for me to actually start my day, um, it's something that I can't give up. So doing that just, allowing myself to not hop on my phone, not look at my schedule, not think about what I have to do that day, you know, whether it's good, bad, I just, I want to be by myself. I want to, you know, actually start, I actually want to wake up and, and be conscious and not be groggy. Um, but if I could do that all the time, my life would be perfect. You know, sometimes those things, you know, they don't work. You're staying at a friend's place, you know, you got other, other things popping up, but Definitely the biggest thing is just not being on my cell phone. Um, there's a lot of texts that come in. You get a lot of notifications. Apple does a really good job of keeping you engaged on, uh, on your phone. Um, and so just removing that and allowing myself to just watch the world naturally as it starts and not fill my brain with something that 
A, I don't want to see or B, don't need to see yet. Um, I don't want to put that extra space into my mind. Um, so biggest thing I'd say for anyone is just avoiding technology, avoiding being on your cell phone. You know, when you wake up and you, you know, turn on your phone, and it's that bright blue light and everyone kind of like, Ugh, you know, it's, we all know that feeling. Um, and there's a reason we feel that way. So just avoiding the cell phone um, at nighttime and in the morning, um, just kind of being with yourself too, is kind of how that starts to play in. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and I think, like you said, like at nighttime too, I think, you know, there's definitely ways that our evening wind down and our, our nighttime regimen that kind of allow us to have them a good morning as well. You know, it's like uh, a lot of people think it's all in the morning, you know, a lot of times your morning starts the night before as well. You know, is there any, is there anything you do at the uh, end of your days? I know you probably can't do it every day with your, with your job and stuff, but uh, is there a, a reflection or a meditation or something you do to kind of get into that, that nighttime mode? Yeah, it's the same thing. I walk outside. Um, the benefits of walking um, are unbelievable. What it does just overall for your physical body, but the endorphins it releases, you know, these neurotransmitters that allow you to process your day. Um, it's, it's great. So I do that at nighttime. I'll sit outside. I'll enjoy the, the air. You know, I'll just kind of soak everything in. I really love to stare at the stars. Uh, that's kind of something I've picked up recently because I moved a little bit further out of the city and I can actually look up and see them without, you know, all the smog and stuff and pollution. So just looking up at the stars and just kind of realizing how small that I am. Um, and I think by realizing how small that you are, you, you're almost like bigger in a way you're more, you're just more in touch with what's actually around you. And so just kind of disconnecting, not necessarily thinking too hard about the day I just had. Um, I kind of do that on my drive home, but once I get home, just kind of putting everything away, turn the lights down, get my water, just kind of chilling and just kind of staring up the stars and, and just thinking about whatever comes to mind. Um, but just allowing that almost like brain dead feeling of just, you know, I'm going to let my mind wander here. And, you know, that's something that the phones has completely eroded from our lives. You know, think of the idea of boredom, right? You know, when we were bored and kids, it's go outside, you know, go, go do something nowadays. Like when you're, you don't get bored anymore because there's so many different stimulations you can have on your phone. You know, you, people mindlessly scroll on TikTok for hours you know, I, I deleted TikTok off my phone a long time ago, but I definitely caught myself like, where did those last 45 minutes go? I just, I didn't even gain anything. And I saw a bunch of things that probably pissed me off. Yeah. Um, so just, that's the biggest thing too, just kind of <laughs> removing that extra stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny you bring that up about the phone. Like, I just feel like, like with, with smartphones and stuff these days, like back in the day, you know, we had like, you know, our, our grandparents growing up or something, maybe they had one board game in the house. Maybe they had, you know, a stick and a rock outside and they had, you know, uh, a newspaper or like maybe they have a, a book or two um, that they could dive into, you know, in their free time when they were bored. But it's like now, I mean, we literally have books in our phone, camera, like our camera, you know, apps like games, like infinite amount of games for free on our phone. You know, it's your calculator. It's your it's your search engine for, it's your computer, it's become everything. And, you know, just only, you know, within the past few decades has this really evolved. So to realize like the influence that these devices have 
on our lives and to, to really create a healthier relationship with it, I think is, is massive for impacts on our health mentally, emotionally, physically. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's the way that technology has advanced, you know, if you look at it now and you're like, Oh, it's so, it's so horrible, you know, it's ruined our lives and you're just a pessimist because the phone the, I do everything on my phone. My business is ran through my phone. You know, we, set up this meeting through our phone. So there's so many different tools, obviously, that we use it for. But it's just understanding that once I've achieved the things that are necessary to my life, like actually, actually necessary, scrolling Instagram is not necessary to your life. Once you've kind of completed that checklist, take it away. You know, it's it, it shouldn't be something that you're using for entertainment. Um, I hate when I'm with friends or just with people. And I'm, I'm not saying I am perfect by any means. Cause you know, I, I get on my phone a lot too. And it's something I'm consciously aware of and trying to improve, but you know, imagine you're with a group of friends that you invited over or something and everyone's kind of hanging out on the couch and there's like a lull, you know, no one's really talking. And then every, what's your instinct. It's to pull out your phone. Right. And so fighting that, but also going back to the whole boredom thing and, you know, grandparents are going, they got a board game, you know, they talk to each other. You know, nowadays we don't even talk to each other. It's like this awkward silence because every time we're bored or, you know, there's not something directly on the, the talk list, you know, we just resort to our phones because we can't fill that space. We can't ask questions or just ask something stupid. And that's kind of where the, Hey, when's the last time your, your feet touch grass? You know, that's a, that would be a great question. You know, if there's nothing that you guys can talk about. So that it's unfortunate because you see it kind of play out with these younger generations and just their inability to communicate um, and just build relationships in a healthy matter. Um, they communicate through Snapchat, you know, and yeah. text message. And then when they're hanging out, you know, everyone just kind of in their huddle on their phones and I get it, they're kids um, and even adults do that. So it's, it's unfortunate because we're kind of removing ourselves even further away from that human connection. Um, and especially with having our phones on us. I mean, I think Elon Musk said this in a podcast a couple of years ago that we're already cyborgs, you know, our phones are an extension of us. And so we've kind of already made that crossover. Um, and now it's just time to reel it back and, you know, use it as a tool for life. Yes. Yeah. Use it, use it as the tool and for all the power that it can bring, but don't let it, you know, become a master over you in that you know, everything in your day revolves around your cell phone. And I've done, you know, a few just like tech technology fasts and like, really, I've probably created a much better relationship with my phone just by, you know, if I have friends, you know, over or like right now, like I'm out here at Possum Kingdom at the lake house, it's like, you know, when I'm here in intention, like I set my phone off somewhere and like, I'm truly just with my friends for like the whole weekend. And I may pick it up once or twice, but what I've seen from spending more and more time away from my phone is that like, every time I, you see that lull or that kind of that place where everyone kind of gets bored, like you see those other people pulling out your phones. But like, what I've been doing is like trying to fill those spaces with like an engaging conversation. And like, it's, it's made me like dive back into like, really like asking questions about people's lives. Like I realized that I have a lot of friends, but have I necessarily really asked them like deeper probing questions about their life, you know, their childhood, like 
like what their viewpoint on life is and these things, you know, it's, you know, we can very much fall into kind of the typical like conversations with our friends, you know, the, the recent football games and the, you know, what's going on at work, you know, how's work, you know, what's the weather like? And then all of a sudden it's like the conversation can't go any farther, but, you know, I think if we can really work uh, to rebuild kind of some of those conversative skills. And I know that different people are gifted in these areas more than others. You know, you have your introverts and your extroverts, but I think both parties can work on um, their conversative skills and just the overall, just the human connection that that the phone has really gotten in the way of. Yeah, no, you said it perfectly. I, I completely agree with that. And um, yeah, you you start to learn a lot more about folks. And also too, to just shed some knowledge to them that like, they don't need to have their phone out as well. Um, and I think letting people know and not you don't want to enable behavior and you also don't want to, you know, get into anyone's business. But at the same time, if I'm spending time with you and I've made an effort and I've made a time sacrifice, I've, I've sacrificed time that I'll never get back to spend time with you. I don't want to be interrupted by your cell phone that has nothing to do with this conversation, but also isn't pressing or immediate, you know, scroll Instagram when you get home, you know, do that, but actually try to sit and just, think about, you know, what it feels like to not have your phone, because those moments where you do want to pull out your phone, and then you don't, like, what do you start thinking about, you know, you never know. Um, but you just allow that mind to wander. And so I, I believe it really is important to get back to just that human connection and just learning more about people because there is that buffer. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate because once you start having those real conversations and you see how limited you are on the other side of things, you're like, damn, like, what if I never, what if I never figured that out about someone? And it's really powerful. And I don't know about your friend group. I, I like to keep a small circle of friends and I do make it a priority um, to try to know everything about them. And I also think too, when you start surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded, you'll realize that they also crave these types of conversations. Um, you know, these intellectually challenging conversations, but also at the same time, some of the dumbest conversations you'll hear in your entire life. But yeah. that's what's so enjoyable about those moments is like, there may not be any substance to what we're talking about whatsoever, but maybe you can laugh, you know, maybe you can learn something, maybe you can just see a different side of someone or hear a different perspective. And so just allowing the infinite to take chance and to just fall into place, um, I think is a very powerful thing. Yeah, I love that. And I, I feel like that's kind of, that kind of goes back to that, that childlike mindset of where we've been, like, when you're a kid and you're, you're beginning to develop your personality and your identity and things like that, like figuring out who you are and who others are, you know, you're just, you're kind of in this place of this interaction with other people around you, nonverbal and verbal. And to really like connect back to that in a more conscious way in adulthood, I think is like really interesting. And like, you begin to just like reconnect like recently i just feel like sometimes like i'll be sitting sharing a conversation with someone you know whether they're older than me or the same age and just feel like wow like you know i just feel kind of like a kid like it's we're all still kids you know i like i heard a quote the other day and it was like you're never it's never too late to like have a good childhood and i know that that could go into a whole different conversation but like when it comes to some of these conversations it's just like have that childlike imagination and curiosity in conversation with others yeah, no, curiosity. 
It's just allowing, allowing whatever is going to happen to happen and just, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And so it is, it is really good to, to have those conversations, especially with like people that are already in your inner circle, like your parents, like, and this is what's the, the hard part about moving out and, and not living in the same state as either some of your closest friends or some of your parents is, you know, we kind of approach it as well, I'll see them two times a year, right? You know, Christmas, you know, maybe an Easter, maybe a Thanksgiving, if not some other day or weekend sprinkled in there. So let's say two, three times a year, right? Let's say your parents have 30 years left. So you start, you kind of start a little clock here, right? You've got 60, 60 more planned times that you're going to see your parents. Okay. This year goes by 58, you know, it gets down to 20 and you start realizing like, how much do I actually know about these people or how much of an important conversation have we had recently? And just not doing the same, you know, checking up on the sports game, you know, which those things are necessary. And, and that can also be what is part of that relationship building for you and that other person. I know me and my father, um, we bond over sports. You know, we, that's all we talk about for the most part. So that is something that I cherish because it allows me to talk to him. And, you know, we just get to kind of hash it out on things that we're passionate about. Um, so it can look different for, for whoever it is, but just actually getting to the root of, of what that person identifies as um, and what they also prioritize in their life. And so once you kind of start having those types of conversations too, you realize that, is it called like the human condition? I think where everyone pretty much shares like the same basic things. Um, you'll realize you have a lot more in common with them than you think. So just opening yourself up to that, not being afraid to talk to someone. Um, and I, I would definitely say I've, I've been gifted over the last couple of years of talking to people because I worked as a security guard, you know, at the front door at one of the busiest bars and talked to a lot of people. And then I was a waiter and now I'm a personal trainer and I, I've got an hour with these people and I know everything about their lives. And so it's really, really interesting um, because you open yourself up to all these different types of people that come from all these different types of backgrounds and, you know, what they're passionate about. And it's really, it's really, really cool to see just how different you can be, but also how much more similar than you actually think you are. Yeah, 100%. Love that. And yeah, I think you hit it you hit on a really great point, which is like really, you know, realizing like your parents and your grandparents, the people that are already there in your life that you may have not even tapped into some of these conversations with and connected with. And maybe you do a couple of times a year, but it's like, even when in those times, you know, how are you showing up and what's your relationship like? I mean, I've seen it uh, really play out in my own life too. Like I've just begun to have a lot more like intentional conversation and and really intrigued about like really learning about more aspects of like the people that are really close in my life, whether it be a sibling or, you know, a parent or a grandparent. But, you know, I, th I feel like sometimes we overlook these things because we grow up with these people. But what I'm realizing now, like kind of at our age, you know, like coming into adulthood, it's like, uh, we think like, I feel like you go through that stage kind of in your like, later teen years and like early 20s and in college and stuff you don't need your parents you don't you know you're going out on your own you know you want to you, you really kind of want to disconnect from that and then I feel like I don't know if you agree but 
you know, for me, it's like, I feel like coming back into adulthood, like all of a sudden I'm realizing they have like a lot more wisdom to share about life and like experiences than I may have like thought of when I was younger. I was like, you know, push y'all out. Like I can figure this out on my own. Like I'm going to go figure it out. And then now it's like, you know, like I really do value that time with them and those conversations spent with them. Like right now I'm still living back home with my mom right now. And we have just got to develop our relationship to a whole new level, spending so much more time together uh, in, in kind of adulthood and in my new identity that has, you know, changed over the past two to three years after college. Yeah, no, that's a, a really interesting point. And I, I completely agree. I think COVID also provided a lot of opportunities for people to kind of reconnect with their families. Um, and you spent however long, you know, months, I know months minimum, but, you know, potentially a couple of years um, just living under the same house. And I know that was definitely something that I wasn't excited for right off the bat because I was in college and I wanted to enjoy college. And I know these were things that I wasn't going to be able to do six months from now because I was graduating. Um, but yeah, just being under the same roof and just doing the same old things and, you know, talking about good old times and, you know, playing board games, watching movies, you know, all the things that just spending quality time with. Um, and someone close to me recently um, had one of their parents pass away. And so I've been thinking about this whole idea a lot recently because I haven't necessarily suffered any traumatic loss. Um, and I've been very grateful for that, but it is inevitable. Um, and it's going to happen at some point. And so having that event happen, which is very sad, definitely made me think about how I've been approaching quality time with, with my parents or with my friends that I haven't seen in a long time, because bad things are going to happen and you can never prepare for it. And so just understanding that the last time could be the last time and you know valuing every moment and learning everything about them having those challenging questions you know a lot of it's ugly sometimes because you know you've really got to get to the root of it and not everyone's relationships with their parents and their friends are top notch um but being vulnerable and being yourself and just expressing what's on your mind what you're going through um i think everyone should find someone like that that they can talk to and just building that relationship too, you know, I'm sure you've learned a lot of things about your mom that one, you probably didn't know it happened before. And now you probably look at her in a different lens because she has this experience under her belt. And so there's a lot of different things that you can gain from it. Um, but you just have to go in open-minded and, and vulnerable because you can't ask someone else about their life and not be willing to share your own. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there and that the vulnerability aspect too. I know that especially for, uh, you know, anyone out there that has, you know, gone through like a mental health crisis or, or, you know, still struggles with kind of like mental health issues, like is, is opening up to be vulnerable about and having those conversations with an individual in your life. And like, you know, whether that be a therapist, you know, online or in person or someone in your life, a friend, a grandparent, uh, a parent, like finding someone to be able to, you know, maybe have those vulnerable conversations with will be extraordinarily healing for you as an individual. If you haven't been able to get some of these things out, you know, instead you're constantly ruminating on them in your own mind. And like, that is so much more destructive than, than finally getting out and sharing this with someone. And I think that 
I have noticed through my own kind of mental health, uh, like crisis that, you know, sharing these conversations with other people, one, you realize other people actually might have gone through similar things and then you can connect on that or two that like just having that conversation and like them knowing that you're in that space allows them to show up differently for you. They're like, you know what? Like, I didn't even know you were going through that. Like, I'm glad you finally expressed that. I think getting past that barrier of feeling scared or like, you know, just, I think the overall kind of toxic masculinity that males are raised in of not being able to shed a, like it's weak to shed a tear or to share deep, like vulnerabilities. Like there is a lot of power in sharing that and getting that out because we really carry that collectively just kind of with this mindset we've been raised with through society that males have to be this such this strong figure and we can't cry and we can't be vulnerable because you know that that's you know it just to me I see so much power in actually like stepping more into your masculine power if you begin to open up and be more vulnerable with people in your lives and that's whether or not you're going through a mental health crisis or not like I think that it's important to have that vulnerability in all conversation. Yeah, no, you couldn't have said that any better. Um, it's just like that. You almost, they call it, um, I can't remember the name for it. I remember hearing this on a, uh, a podcast recently, but this woman was talking about her own mental health issues and she got fired from her job, her family, you know, everything just seemed like it was gone for her. And she really wanted to start like going to the gym, being active, getting out of the house. And you know how, when we've had these thoughts in our mind, like, should I go to the gym? You know, you're sitting on the couch and maybe late and you're like, should I go to the gym? You kind of give yourself like a couple seconds to think about it. You're like, no, but right before that, you're like, I need to go to the gym. Like you made that decision and then five seconds pass and you're like, well, you know, should I go to the gym? So you have to be immediate um, because if you allow things to wait, like you said, you get in your own head, you just have to really rip off the bandaid. And yeah. I know when I've had really challenging conversations, there's almost like that split second right before and like, all right, am I, am I about to do this? Am I about to open up here? Am I about to, open this box or start this fight or, you know, whatever it is that you're talking about most people. And I don't want to say most people, but in my experience, um, I have to think about those things. And I've decided recently that I'm just going to say whatever's on my mind, um, especially to like my partner or, um, you know, the other important people in my life, just you have to be immediate because once you get it off your chest and you let that other person know, especially if they're a loved one or, or someone you really, you know, cherish in your life, um, you'll realize how much better you feel once you actually get that off your chest, because odds are that person too is going to have an answer or they're going to have something that they can point you towards and understanding almost being conscious. And you need to probably verbalize it because, I think that's really important, you know, actually speaking things aloud, speaking it into existence, those positive affirmations. Um, but just be like, I'm so glad that I actually said what was on my mind. Um, and you'll realize once you actually make that decision that wasn't that bad, it went a lot better than I thought it would, right? You know, so you have to do that first to understand the power behind it. Um, but it, it'll be the best thing, best decision you'll ever make. I love that you brought that up because that's been a huge theme the past few months with me and in the workplace and just in my personal life. It's like, 
realizing that like these critical conversations, like you really like, there's so much inner resistance and like, you really don't want to have them. But I mean, I, I heard the quote one time and it was like, your, the, your quality, the quality of your life depends on the number of critical conversations you're willing to have. And that really spoke to me because like you said, when you have these critical conversations, like it seems like there's always like a release, there's a weight off your shoulders. There's some forward growth for you and the other individual on the other side, like, but breaking through and actually sharing that emotion and getting that out of you, like is the catalyst. But you know, the more and more we carry these things around with us and don't speak these things out, like the harder it may become for us emotionally. Yeah. Seneca has a great quote. He says, we suffer more in imagination than in reality. And it's absolutely true. You know, all these problems that we think we have, you know, I do a good job of like writing out my to-do list or like my weekly list, what's going on. Because before that, I was just trying to think about all these things. And it's like, well, what do I do first? You know, what direction do I look in? And so when you, when you break it down and you keep it simple, just keep it simple, you know, you realize nothing is too daunting. And if something is challenging on there, that's a perfect opportunity to ask for help. Um, whether it's financial, whether it's personal, whether it's physical, you know, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, there's always someone that can be in your corner that can help you, but you actually have to ask. Yeah. Love that. Keep it simple. And, and sometimes it just comes down to, to asking and getting over that, that hurdle sometimes is tough, but when you ask, it always seems to benefit you in the long run. And, you know, another thought that kind of popped in my mind when you, when you said about just writing stuff down, I think when we talk about having these conversations with others and anything in general, especially around emotional and mental health, like, like if, if you're, if you're someone that likes to journal or if you haven't tried it, like I, I definitely, you know, for people listening, like journaling has been such an amazing practice for me because maybe there is something you want to tell someone, but it might not be the best to actually say it in conversation, like, or at least writing it down in a journal or on a piece of paper like if it is true and you need to say it, like you'll be led to say that, but sometimes just getting that out and down on paper instead of reacting in the moment and like venting to someone or like, you know, maybe someone upsets you and you just go at them in that moment, like maybe take a step back, be conscious of the emotion that's revealing and go and write that in your journal and stuff and reflect on that and try to figure out the root of, you know, the problem that's there, or the tension and you could work in a more constructive way to dissolve that I've found through kind of journaling through your thoughts and stuff. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that too. And to kind of go back to toxic masculinity and, you know, a lot of these societal norms that are placed on men. Um, it's sad because you see a lot of, you know, you could even push this to the armed forces and the suicide rate in this country. Um, I'm not sure exactly what number is, you know, men compared to women, but I know predominantly men represent, you know, our soldiers and our, our veterans and our, you know, first responders. And you see the alarming numbers of suicide and, and a lot of these terrible, terrible things that happen within these communities. And a lot of it is based around them just not even asking or not even no one understanding that something was going wrong. You know, you always see it on those posts. It's like, we never knew, you know, things looked so great but it takes that you have to peel back the layer. Everyone can hide something. And so 
also too, just being, being aware that having emotions is good. You are supposed to have emotions and don't run away from fear. Don't run away from that anxiety. You have to take that on. Um, and so anxiety was something that, you know, I never really understood up until recently. And I was just explaining this emotion to someone, the scenario that I was in. And he's like, no, dude, like, that was a, you had an anxiety attack. And I was like, no, like not, not me, like not me. Like I don't, that's not me. Um, anxiety, depression, like that stuff. No, no, no. And he's like, no. And so I really, I really kind of thought back and I was like, that same exact feeling has popped up thousands of times in my life before. And I never really understood what it was, you know, the fear of public speaking, you know, that, you kind of just want to crumble and like, you know, sink into your seat. And, you know, I never knew what that was. Um, so just being able to communicate that being emotionally vulnerable. Um, but you have to do that with the right people too. And, and sometimes you can get burned and someone's going to take advantage of you or, or tell your secret to someone else. And it's unfortunate that there's some evil people out here that do that kind of thing, but I'd rather that happen. Um, and me learn from that mistake but also appreciate the fact that I was open and that person just made a bad decision. Um, so you have to be able to live with the consequences too, because, you know, not everyone can take something to the grave. Um, but just starting off, just, you know, being vulnerable kind of is the buzzword right there. Just it's, it's a simple word and it can mean a lot to different people, but just kind of taking down the layers that we wear. And, you know, I know in the, the work industry now, you know, being a, and I'll just speak on my own personal experiences. Um, I'm a big guy now, you know, I'm six, six, like 240 pounds. I'm a big dude and I played sports and, you know, I'm active. I, I like to be a man. I like to eat steaks. I like to go out in nature. I like to watch fighting. I like, I like all those things. And yeah, like I get in my own emotions sometimes. Sometimes I get overwhelmed by things, but I can't run from that because the longer it just stacks up, the worse it's going to get. So I've got a lot of people that I love in my life that I'm able to talk to about these things. And a lot of that too is, you know, been rebuilding that relationship I've had with my family. Um, and I'm very grateful for that because now there's so many different people that have lived so many different ways that can help me out in so many different ways too. Um, so just expanding your network too, and just trying to recruit people as, as friends and, you know, your social support group. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. And I appreciate, you know, you showing up like as all you are today and like your vulnerability and expressing all your thoughts and ideas and your truth. Uh, it's really, it's really been a pleasure, Ben. And, um, uh, I kind of want to just cap off the show with, uh, asking you a question, you know, when you hear the words live thrivingly, what comes to your mind? Outside of Jackson Hall, um, live thrivingly. You know, thrive has been a word that I've seen a lot recently. You know, I'm thriving. You know, everyone's kind of been saying that. And when I think of that in my own, I guess, in my own personal sense, it feels like you're just kind of flying high on the clouds. I'm just thriving. I'm just doing, I'm doing better than great. I'm just, I'm just amazing. Um, and so I think live thrivingly is really similar to, you know, pursuit of an elevated lifestyle. You're just living above what is, what is beneath you. Um, and so just kind of approaching it from a different perspective, um, 
live thrivingly. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue pretty nice too, but I think it's just, yeah, living, living, doing what you want to do, doing what you like to do, being happy, doing cool stuff. Um, and I think a lot of that, you know, once you peel back the layers of what live thrivingly is, you start to see, you know, the entire conversation that we've had today kind of being the foundation for how to live thrivingly. Love that way to just wrap it up with a bow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ben, where can people reach out to you or follow along with your work? Yeah. So, um, I've got an Instagram set up. It's my training profile. It's Robinson training co. Um, I've also got a Facebook group and a YouTube account, um, both Robinson training co LLC. And then like Jackson said, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and you can just find me through Ben Robinson and, um, I'm not on Twitter. I don't, I don't like to be on Twitter too much. So, uh, but yeah, that's where you guys can find me. I've also got a website. It's um, robinsontrainingco.com. And uh, if you want to reach out about personal training, you can hit me on any of those or, you know, find my message through, through Jack somehow. Um, but yeah, I'm open to having any conversation, helping anyone. There's no barrier to fitness. Um, exercise is the most important thing you should ever do. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to change the world uh, one person at a time, man, just similar to you. Man, love it. Thank you so much for hopping on here today, Ben. Uh, these links will be in the description, guys. And uh, thank you, Ben. Yeah, brother. Thanks for having me on. Hello, beautiful listener. If you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I would very much appreciate it if you could leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on. Additionally, if you would like to join the community and follow along with what we're doing at Live Thrivingly, I would love for you to follow at Live Thrivingly on Instagram or Facebook or follow us on YouTube at Live Thrivingly. I cannot wait to see what together we can co-create as we seek to live thrivingly and access higher states of this experience. Thank you for listening and being who you are. Namaste.